Welcome, welcome. Thanks for tuning in. Why you keep working out, eating clean, and eating less than other people do at times and still can't lose weight. What's the connection? And I'm that's that's what I'm going to talk to you about today. I completely understand. I have been there myself. I battled with, you know, uh, binge eating and had gained 40 pounds within a year and really um and then I started to just eat really really clean and then work out all the time and still that didn't make me lose weight either and it wasn't until I learned the things I'm going to share with you today that helped me finally release weights and come back to a healthy body weight that I'm happy with hourglass shape okay and I know why I say hourglass as well is because our hormones impact the way that fat is deposited in the body. So if you have more estrogen, for example, you're going to have likely more um, weight around the hips and the thighs and cortisol around the abdomen. But we'll get into it in this episode, okay? So if you don't know me yet, my name is Celine Vilgan. I'm the founder of Luscious Living, where personal growth meets wellness. And Again, you're in the right place. If you are listening to the podcast, I want you to click the download and subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, download, or I guess you can't download, but I want you to subscribe and hit the like button so you can stay tuned for more videos like this. All right, so what we're going to go over today is the frustrating process of working out and eating clean uh, and only to either weight loss plateau or not lose weight at all and why that happens. I want to speak with you about what's happening in your body as well at that time and then ways you can manage these hormones, okay? So a lot of women that I speak to come to me. They're doing the boot camps. They're doing the HIIT workouts almost daily. They're eating clean, all the salads, the juices, the smoothies, but the weight isn't coming off. And it's frustrating because either we see other women who do the same thing as us and they're thriving or not even a fraction of the effort and they're way slimmer. So what's the deal? Well, I want to tell you about the factors that are causing you to gain weight despite your best efforts, okay? So whether you're stressed out about weight loss, um, measuring, over-exercising, under-eating, overeating, stressed at work, etc. That all plays a role in this, okay? And so I want to chat with you first and foremost about a hormone called cortisol. And it's produced in your adrenal glands, which sits on top of our kidneys. They're actually really, really small. And they produce not only cortisol, but DHEA and adrenaline. So these are the things that keeps us going. And what happens is, again, whether it's we're stressed about weight loss, we're stressed about being late, we're stressed about the kids, whatever it is, th- these thoughts, just as if when you're embarrassed, you turn beet red or you're angry, you turn, you know, you could feel your blood boiling, whatever it is. Same with stress. There's always a response in the body. And so increased stress will stimulate our adrenal glands to produce more and more of these hormones. And when the stress subsides, the hormones levels typically stabilize, but sometimes the hormone levels remain intact for long periods of time and they have negative impacts on our body, or we just never really give it a chance to stabilize long-term because if it's, you know, first thing in the morning, we're stressed out and something in the afternoon that your boss says, and then you're on your way to work or however it is, maybe you're at home listening to this and you still have your own version of stress. So 
<clears throat> in relation to cortisol, there is a link with weight fluctuation because both an excess or deficiency of cortisol can impact blood sugar levels and thyroid function. Okay, and this will trigger weight, weight fluctuation and symptoms of low metabolism. And so we're going to go into that. But first, some major stressors that might lead to cortisol imbalance. Maybe emotional imbalance. So this is a big one. Do not underestimate the emotional side of this. But insufficient sleep will also trigger cortisol. Insufficient sleep is also going to get your ghrelin and leptin levels um, imbalanced as well. So you're going to be hungrier, you're going to want to eat more as well, and your body's not going to really have the deciding factor when you're full. It's going to take longer. And not having enough sleep in this way is connected to weight. And then, of course, usually we're stressed out so we're not able to sleep or we're stressed out because we didn't get enough sleep and so that all plays a role same with excessive and sugar and carbohydrate intake so typically we reach for these foods when we are feeling stressed out as well um, because actually sugar triggers the dopamine receptors in the in the body uh, and and carbohydrates make us feel good they help to release serotonin Okay, so if we're constantly doing this, we're doing a yo-yo on our blood sugar. So imagine your blood sugar is a roller coaster. You want it to be stable, but most people, if they're, you know, whether it's the mood or whether it's what they're eating, if you have some cereal or a bagel, your blood sugar is going to go up and then going to crash back down because it doesn't give you a lot of energy long term. Okay, what else can contribute to your stress is shift work schedule, frequently skipped or delayed meals, infections, overworking, this is mental and physical, surgery or traumatic injury, excessive exercise, especially endurance exercise, which we'll go into toxic exposure, such as mold, okay? Just taking a sip of my coffee here. So cortisol has an intricate relationship with the hormone insulin, which manages our blood sugar. So when cortisol levels increase, the cells of our body become resistant to insulin long-term. So if you repeat this over and over again, we're constantly stressed out, and then we, you know, it actually increases insulin, which is why we want to reach for something sweet to bring that back down, to calm us again. When we do this over and over again, this increases their blood sugar, weight gain, and potentially type 2 diabetes. And I see this with my PCOS girls as well. Okay, so what, again, I really want to make sure that's understood. So the more stress you have, and this could be your thoughts, like, and I'm going to go into this as well, of, you know, not feeling good enough, are you going to pay the bills on time, does this person like you, your boss, etc. Okay, those thoughts can increase cortisol, not eating enough, not eating the right things, and then we then increase insulin, and then just as a diabetic happens as well, the di or the person will have diabetes, you become resistant to insulin. So meaning when you start to secrete insulin, your body doesn't do anything anymore, it doesn't respond, or it's a lot slower too. And on the other hand, we can also have a cortisol imbalance where it's just the same thing as insulin, but it's it's th that we don't respond to cortisol as well. And so that's in excess when these cortisol levels drop, it's known as adrenal exhaustion. 
And then again, if blood sugar levels decrease, this can create something called hypoglycemia linked to weight loss and lower stress tolerance. So both high and low cortisol can trigger symptoms of low metabolism, such as feeling fatigued, depressed, cold, experience decreased memory and poor concentration. Then insert the thyroid. Okay, this is so important because you can go to any doctor, whatever, and say that maybe that your thyroid hormones are off. But at the end of the day, if you do not impact and if you do not address stress, the thyroid is just a symptom of what's actually happening. So proper thyroid function helps to maintain a healthy metabolism but both high and low cortisol levels can impact the conversion of thyroid hormone from its inactive form to its active form. And this can lead to low thyroid, which will cause or could potentially cause a weight gain symptoms and other symptoms of poor metabolism, okay? And so cortisol affects us all differently. Okay, so this someone, it might affect your skin, it might affect your hormones, it might affect, affect your sleep, and at different times. But these are some of the most common symptoms to look for. Number one is disrupted sleep. Two, fatigue. Three, increased appetite. I don't know about you, but when I'm stressed, I want to eat all the foods. <laughs> Number four is blood sugar problems. Number five is weight gain and increased belly fat. That's a big one. Six is increased inflammation. Seven is a weakened immune system. We do see that the more stress we have, the weaker our immune system is. And mood swings, okay? And again, if you're stressed, then you're not able to sleep as much. You're not able to recover. And then we end up having weight gain because again, I wanna just summarize. Either the stress affects our thyroid, so you actually might have a lowered metabolism because of your stress. It's not because your thyroid is inherently deficient in anything. I mean, there might be, of course, some micronutrients you want to look for, like iodine to have in your diet and selenium. So again, the stress can impact your thyroid. It can impact your sleep, which will then affect your leptin and ghrelin levels. You will also likely, you know, be reaching for foods that you didn't plan for. Um, And then you're going to, you know, maybe you end up going to fast food or just having something quick like a bagel. And then that will play with your blood sugar roller coaster as well. As well as um, those foods are never um, super nutrient dense either. So you're going to be increasing your calories. And then there is an intricate relationship with... um, estrogen and testosterone and cortisol as well. It's just really, I want you just to know the, the more stressed we are, the more those other hormones become imbalanced as well. Okay. So it becomes harder to lose weight. So knowing that, you know, that's really what I took on. And I started to increase these things that I'm about to talk to you how I started to decrease my stress and cortisol, bring my other hormones back to balance, and then I lost weight. And this is the same with my clients as well. Okay, and so what you can begin to do is first and foremost, by managing your perception and eliminating triggers. And what I mean by that is stress is really a perception. If I told you that... I sometimes I say this example in corporate wellness talks. If I were to all of a sudden take a hammer 
and hammer your your hand, you'd be pretty darn pissed with me. You'd go to the hospital, you'd probably never talk to me again. But if I told you that I'm going to give you a million dollars and a flight to wherever you want, if I put the hammer on your head, or your, your, not your head, your hand, you would say, okay, fine, let's do this, okay? And so, I, and what I say, why I bring this up is because of the perception. If you know that there's going to be some sort of reward or something beneficial for you at the end, then you're more likely to perceive that stress in a different way. Whereas if it's all of a sudden and it almost feels like it's happening to you and why is this happening, then we become very, very stressed about it. So to manage your perception, I want you to first and foremost, be very cognizant of the language you are saying to yourself. So instead of saying, I should do this, I should do that. My parents should be this way. My child should be this way. That creates a low level stress in our body. Okay, so start to upgrade your language to say, I will, I won't, I choose not to, I intend to, I choose to, rather than I will try, I should, I could, no, right? And then eliminating triggers is is looking at, like, taking some self-reflection to see what are the things that trigger you throughout the day? Is it disorganization? Is it, you know, driving? Is it a... Um, not planning your meals, whatever it is, okay? It could be a certain conversation. So I want you to get really, really clear on what that is for you and start to make uh, progress because unless we sit down and take the time to organize that, it's going to be difficult to do anything about it, okay? And so get organized if you need to. You know, the French have a saying called mise en place. So make sure that everything has a a place, whether it's your keys or your Tupperware or your phone, so that you don't have to go looking for it. You might want to organize your clothes the night before, have your water bottle filled the night before. All of those things will make a big difference. And then managing your environment is point two, but it really piggybacks on point one, is if you can look around you Think about all of the things that are in the room. Do they serve you and your mental health, your physical health? If you, for example, have plants and pictures and a vision board, that's going to serve you rather than having, you know, chips right beside you and the the games or the, the TV, right? And so create a curated environment where it's conducive to focus. It's conducive to your mental health. Next is meditation. So this is something that I had struggled with. And to be honest, I still kind of do. It's still something I have to force myself to do. But we do see that meditation activates the body's relaxation response through the HPA axis, which is the central stress response system. This will lower cortisol and slow your breathing rate. It'll relax your muscles and reduces blood pressure. You don't always need to even sit down and do it, though I do recommend that, but really just being mindful of your breath at any given time. Okay, so next time you're feeling stressed, just take a breath, okay? And we do see that people who complete an online mindfulness program for one hour a week for eight weeks reported a 31% decrease in stress levels a year after the program which is pretty significant. I know 31% doesn't seem like a whole lot, but a year after is um, is pretty neat, okay? And then we do see one study found that women who were able to describe and accept their stressor had lower cortisol levels. 
Next one is swapping intense workouts for gentle exercise. I know you're not all going to love this, okay? But the, the length and intensity of your workouts have a big impact on your cortisol levels. So high intensity exercise, around 80% of your maximal oxygen uptake, even when it's done for only 30 minutes, significantly elevates cortisol levels. So consistent long duration exercise also raises your cortisol levels. And... When scientists study cortisol concentrations in the hair of endurance athletes, they found higher concentrations than in non-endurance athletes. So lower intensity workouts, on the other hand, like yoga, can reduce cortisol levels by deactivating the stress response. And it also decreases norepinephrine. So if you are someone who loves, loves, loves your long runs and HIIT workouts, you might want to time it so it's around your follicular phase and ovulatory phase and not during your luteal and menstrual phase. You also might want to cut it out for, you know, uh, maybe if you do HIIT workouts four times a week, week, maybe you do three to two times a week and then see if you actually have better results. I would recommend to do strength training or Pilates or walks, swimming, biking instead, really just being active I really, really would be curious to know if any of you listen to this and um, actually have better results after, okay? This next one might sound counterintuitive, but having a small amount of healthy carbs like quinoa, squash, sweet potatoes, brown rice can actually help to regulate blood sugar levels because cortisol, as you know by now, they have an, and insulin have an inverse relationship. So when cortisol is high, insulin's low, so that if you have a healthy carb in the evening, it can actually increase a bit of your insulin, which is okay, and it lowers your cortisol. This will help you relax. Just make sure, again, it's a complex carbohydrate. This is not bagels or white bread or white rice, okay? <clears throat> Excuse me. This next one is getting outside. In North America, where I am recording from, from Calgary specifically, it gets pretty darn cold out in the winter, but uh, I heard a phrase that changed my life, and it's, there's no bad weather, only bad gear. So if you need to bundle up, get your long johns and your base layers, uh, go ahead and do that. In Japan, actually, there's something called shirin-yoku, where they have prescribed people to forest bathe to decrease stress levels, Okay. And so in a study, researchers had a group of people spending time walking through a forest one day and through a city the next day. And of course, the results found that the forest environment promoted lower cortisol levels, lower um, blood pressure and lower pulse rate than, than, um, in the city, than in the city environment. But obviously, if you can't get out of the city, um, you know, just go for the, the river, the nearest river, the, the go hug a tree or by the grass, right? Just 20 minutes a day outdoors have been shown to improve cortisol levels. Next is rewiring your sleep schedule. So one of the biggest things um, I have learned, and I think it's in the book, Why We Sleep, but the biggest thing you can do is going to bed at, at the same time and rising at the same time. I'm not there yet, to be honest, okay? Especially on weekends, I sleep later. But this is something that we can all aim for to optimize the sleep cycle. You also want to ideally get to bed by 10 p.m., which actually, um, the reason why you have a second wind is because of a late evening cortisol spike, okay? So that's why that's happening. 
Um, and then I encourage you to also have something like uh, Just Get Flux or Screen Shader, and that's an extension on Chrome. They're both free, so that does not your screen does not affect the melatonin production. Another one is doing things that make you happy. This one is so simple, but we don't do it enough. I mean, I know so many people don't do it enough, and I'm going to say we, but I'm sure if you're listening to this, um, you might be also in that boat. So whether it's you know, connecting with your friends, family, a new hobby. We do see that having, doing something that makes you feel good um, decreases cortisol, but it actually also increases heart rate, or rather it helps to improve heart rate, blood pressure, and inflammatory markers. And I don't know why we need to see a study for this, but it does help. But um, we found that laughter can decrease stress. And I'm huge, huge on um, watching, whether it's prank videos or Kevin Hart or a comedian, stand-up comedian online. I just, I love it. Next one is trying an adaptogenic herb. So adaptogens are a group of fungi and plant-derived compounds that help the body to adapt, adapt to stress. And I think these are so amazing because we see something like ginseng, okay, who's just, I mean, the really good kind of ginseng, or these adaptogens are really revered because of their ability to withstand their environment. And so imagine taking the essence of these plants and really taking that on yourself, okay? And there are at least 16 different proven adaptogenic herbs that can lower cortisol. So make sure that you, you know, if you talk to your doctor or naturopath, just, you know, make sure you do your research before you take any of these. I'm not your doctor, but those herbs are ashwagandha, astragalus, licorice root, holy basil, medicinal mushrooms, including reishi and cordyceps and rhodiola. Okay. So I'd look into the other ones as well and see what you can do for yourself and really incorporate it into your life. I personally use astragalus, ashwagandha, medicinal mushrooms. Um, I've used the short a lot. Actually, holy, ba- you know what? All of them. Now I'm just looking through my list again. Okay. Next one is following an anti-inflammatory diet. So it's low in processed foods, high in antioxidants, fiber. Okay. Not the, the so um, essential nutrient that's forgotten about. It's not sexy, but it's the most, one of the most important. Okay. And these nutrients, you know, as well are so important for balancing hormones, controlling cravings and getting you on the right track making sure that you have uh, probiotic foods like yogurt, kefir, cultured veggies. Okay, these help to increase GABA and serotonin, which is our natural anti-anxiety and natural feel-good neurotransmitter. We also see healing prayer is uh, very fascinating. Okay, so you know, you don't have to be religious, even having a prayer for yourself or the world, um, actually show that there are significant reductions in cortisol. Something else I really, really love and recommend is acupuncture. Acupuncture has been trusted for thousands of years in Chinese medicine, and it's helpful for symptoms like muscle or joint pain, headaches, fertility problems, sleeping, poor circulation, and so much more. I find I really, really get into a beautiful relaxation response when I do acupuncture, okay? And another one that you might want to try is 
essential oils. There are some essential oils and their terpenes um, have been shown in different studies that help with our mood and fighting off stress. Okay, so some you want you may want to look into is lavender, myrrh, frankincense, bergamot, uh, for example. And these contain these potent ingredients that really, really can help with our sleep, our digestion. And of course, I'm not saying to ingest these by any means. This is external, and I do recommend doing your research on that. And lastly, we talked a little bit about sleep, but I want to just make sure that you have your circadian rhythm in line. So, you know, you're waking up with the sun, you're getting at least 20 minutes of sunshine on your skin for the vitamin D production, um, and then, you know, winding down at the, the rhythm of the sun as well. Um, of course, during winter and summer, you're going to have it a little differently, but really getting the circadian rhythm in line, um, having sleep hygiene, so you're giving your body cues to be able to go to bed, whether you have a cup of tea and you're reading, just slowly start to wind down. We do see that 20 minutes is actually the optimal time to um, sleep in the, the temperature. I mean, I, I live in Calgary, as I mentioned, and sleep with the window open all year long, but uh, it's personal choice, but I love it in there when it's cool. Well, I hope this was helpful for you. If you have any questions, please just, you know, tag me on social media with it. Um, send me a DM, put it in the chat and at the end of the video. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing you again. I have more videos for you to watch or podcast episodes for you to listen to. So be sure to get on that. Thank you so much for tuning in and enjoy the rest of your day.